Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. One. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Howard David Live. We take a bite of the big apple, the NBA apple, with Chris Marlowe, the television voice of the Denver Nuggets. I uh, I don't know Michael Malone. I knew his dad. Uh, you know Michael Malone a lot better. Would you categorize his demeanor as he's got a quick trigger finger or is he more calm? Well, he's not calm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can forget about that. Uh, he's intense. He's motivated. Uh, he's, he's not afraid to speak his mind. He's an old school coach, Howard. You, you, you and I go back a long ways into coaches. Uh, you know, he's more the Doug Moe type coach, you know, intense, the, motivated. Uh, and I think that, uh, quite frankly, in, in game two, uh, the Nuggets were not motivated highly. Uh, I, I think that the prevailing winds in Denver was they were going to sweep. It was going to be easy. Let's plan the parade. Let's size up the rings and away we go. And it didn't work out that way. So I think they'll be much more motivated this time around. I think uh, that Denver will have a great shot to win game three in Miami uh, just because the turnaround and motivation will be will be big. It's interesting because, uh, you know, coaches and I, I, I have had many conversations with coaches where they take the blame when things don't go well. And I'm saying, well, why would you do that? I mean, you're setting yourself up to get fired. Now, Malone's not in jeopardy of being fired. That's not my point. But I I, um, I was interested, number one, in his comments during the Lakers series. I, th- it, I think it bothered him that the Lakers were getting a lot of attention. And he didn't hide that. Uh, and then the other day, after losing to Miami, uh, he seemed to be bothered by uh, his postgame comments seem to be bothered by some things. And you've already said it. It's very direct. Okay, I could accept that. I don't have any problem with it. But I coaches can preach what they want in the locker room before a game. And the players you think are listening. And maybe they are. But when they get out on the court and they realize how easy they had one game one, they say, well, we don't need to give our A game tonight. You know, we can coast. And it bit them in the rear. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Particularly, Howard, coming off uh, the Lakers series where they just dominated the Lakers, won all four games, won two on the road, uh, swept them. And then you come in and win game one easily. uh, It's easy to see how they were they were kind of ripe for the pickings, so to speak. Uh, You know, when someone tells you how great you are, you're great, you're great. and You're going to sweep your this. you, You just get a fat head. And I think that's where the Nuggets were in game two. Despite having the home court advantage, uh, it just didn't work out. Now they go to Miami. Nuggets actually have been pretty good on the road in the playoffs, Howard. They're four and three, winning road record, better than they did during the regular season. They closed out Phoenix 
at their place. They won two at L.A., one in Minnesota. So I'm pretty confident that game three, the Nuggets have a great chance to win. And a lot of it will be just getting on the same page. I watched a lot of the video uh, of game two, and there were just some uncharacteristic uh, defensive breakdowns by the Denver Nuggets. Two guys going on one and leaving three-point shooters open. They had uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope fouled two three-point shooters in the act. There's six points right there. They got a they got a non-call on a goaltending, which would have cut the lead to one. Uh, just some weird things happened late in that game, which uh, prevented the Nuggets from pulling it out. But uh, I think game three will be a good indicator if the Nuggets make adjustments and play their play the way they should, they should win. But if they don't, if Miami comes up with some new stuff and they can withstand what the Denver Nuggets are doing, that you know maybe we find out that Miami's a better team than we thought. Look, Chris, they they blew a ten point lead. Uh, when I, I I'm watching the game and I'm saying, well, they're up by ten. Now take it to twelve or fourteen, and they can put this game away. Well, it never happened. Uh, you said about the defensive lapses, and you're right. Uh, particularly against the three-point shooters. A lot of open, con- uncontested threes. I mean, my God, Miami shot 49% from three on game two, made 17 threes to uh, Denver's 11. I mean, there's 18 points right there in, in the differential between the two teams' three-point shooting. So here's Michael Malone now. It's charged with and drilling it into his team. We've got to do a better job defending the threes. And now they may get Tyler Hero to add to that compliment. So that would be their number one priority. Yeah, shut off the three-point game. Uh, It it seems like they can do it. A lot of it was just being on the same page. I mean, you can't leave a guy wide open. You you can't have two guys run with one guy and leave Max Struess completely wide open in the corner. Miami now plus 35 in the two games from three. So that's something – the Nuggets not only have to do better defensively, Howard, but they've got to get on the ball on their own three-point shooting. They're not shooting it bad, but it's not as timely. They're not getting the big shots like Miami is. Michael Porter Jr., I've got a note here, he's three for 17 from mm. three. And Tavis Caldwell-Pope is two for six. I mean, those are uh, two of the Nuggets. Those are two of the best three-point shooters in the league, both over 40% in the top 10, and they're not providing – timely shooting you know you make a three here you make a three there and all of a sudden that 10 point lead is a 16 point lead and the game's over but they were unable to do that and credit Miami with the comeback. Chris uh, uh, Jamal Murray winds up getting the last shot and people have criticized Malone for not calling a timeout I don't have any problem with it I mean you got Jamal Murray with a chance to make a three so isn't that what you really want? Yeah I think so Uh, I think uh you're you're down by three you you let it flow I've heard coaches say this and if you're down by two then maybe you call a timeout and get a specific play maybe try to draw a foul Murray got a good look Uh, when he shot it I thought okay that's in Mm -hmm. and just didn't go in so uh you know it's interesting I I don't think the Nuggets really deserve to win that game they didn't play well enough to put that game away and I think Miami did, and it maybe would have been a false promise had the Nuggets come back to pull that out. So, uh, you know, we got a series now. It's going to be good. The ratings were pretty good. A lot of people watching. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Denver Nuggets adjust now to what Miami was doing in game two. Uh, Murray got off to a slow start in game two, but then he came on. I think he wound up with 18 points after the slow start. Michael Porter, not so much. Only five points. Pope had six. 
But Miami is getting a lot of production from a lot of people, uh, not just the starters. They're going 10 deep. Uh, the Nuggets are only going eight deep in the rotation. Why do you think that is? Well, uh, Malone, uh, Coach Malone, is comfortable with the eight-man rotation. The subs actually won the day for the Denver Nuggets in that last game. They were good. Jeff Green, uh, uh, Bruce Brown, and Christian Brown, they were all positive. Where they got hurt uh, was the starters, the Aaron Gordons, the KCPs, uh, Murray getting a slow start. Uh, they just didn't have enough fuel to, to counteract the 10 guys uh, for Miami. I don't know if you need to play 10. Uh, eight usually will do it. Uh, and Malone is comfortable with that. There are a couple other guys that could play, but he hasn't used them in the entire playoffs. And you look, proof is in the pudding. The Nuggets are 13 and four. Uh, they won three series. They're tied 1-1 in the, in, in the NBA championship. And I think he's going to stick with those eight guys unless something happens uh, to put someone in jeopardy and foul trouble, injury, something like that. It's interesting, Chris, and, uh, and I listen to commentators that talk about players. Uh, and Nikola Jokic's name comes up. Uh, he, I mean, he's being put in elite company right now. In the history of the NBA, a lot of people are saying he could be top five, six center in the history of the NBA. I mean, that including Wilt and Bill Russell and I mean, and Shaq and and the list goes on. Yep. And so uh, I I don't have any problem with it. I mean, this guy is as good a passing big man as I've seen. He's got a phenomenal touch. And then I watched him make a move down the paint the other night where he went behind the back in the dribble. And I said, no center can do that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you know, Howard, you know Jokic's background, so I'm not telling uh, you anything new. He was once a point guard. Uh, and I, I said, what happened? Uh, and he said, well, I grew. And then I grew some more. <laughs> so he's always had these, these skills. You, you can see him as a little guy dribbling the ball all over the place. He has tremendous ball handling skills. He's a three-tier scorer. He can score inside, uh, mid-range, and three-point. He's a great rebounder. I heard someone compare him to Moses Malone the other day, who you know very, very well, one of the greatest rebounders in NBA history. You know, he shoots threes. Uh, the only thing he really doesn't do is protect the rim. Uh, he, he's not a great leaper. He's not a great shot blocker, but there've been games uh, that I've done in the last four or five years where he comes up with a game saving block just mm. in the nick of time. So he's kind of a timely defender. He's got great hands. He led all centers in steals and deflections. So on the ground, he's as good as they get when it, when it comes to kind of octopus defense. So, uh, you know, he's the guy that leads the nuggets uh, I don't buy this 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 junk about, well, they made him a shooter, and, and that was really great strategy. He had four, five, six, seven, eight passes to guys, wide open shooters, Porter in particular, uh, that they just didn't make the shot. That's a, that's a difference, you know, is you, you're not getting assists, but if the guys don't make shots, you're not going to get assists. So yeah. that's just how it goes. Yeah, I, I'm interesting you bring that up because people cited the fact they only had four assists, but – I mean, he might have been eight or nine assists that guys made yeah. shots, but yeah. it, it didn't happen. Uh, talk to me about uh, when you, in, in all of sport, and I'll use football as an analogy, when people play the New England Patriots, they say, we're playing against Belichick. Well, in the NBA now, you look at this series, you could say that Denver's playing against Spolstra. I mean, Eric Spolstra's got a great rep as a defensive coach. So 
do you sense that Malone is trying to put his mind into what Spolster's thinking defensively and then try to counterattack that? Uh, it's a it's a good matchup. I don't think he's going that far with it. I, I I just think that he's trying to get his team playing at the elite level. I don't think in either of the first two games the Nuggets have played to where they were in the Lakers series or perhaps the Phoenix series when they were playing at a very high level, particularly the Lakers when they swept them. So I, I think it's more about his team what his team is doing, making sure they're all on the right page. I think they, they've got the rotations, uh, you know, who's playing and who's not. I think that's fine. Uh, but Bruce Brown didn't play much in the uh, – not Bruce Brown, uh, Christian Brown didn't play much in the Lakers series. And now he's back in the lineup, and there were a couple of defensive miscues where he and Bruce Brown were not on the same – can you imagine the Browns not being on the same page? It, it makes no sense at all. You would think they would be simpatico, right? Uh, but uh, – yeah, I think uh, I, I think he'll have his team ready. I think w- when there's two days off in between games, Howard, uh, you, you sit and you listen to all the bad stuff. You know, how you didn't come through in the clutch, how you didn't shoot the ball well, how you weren't motivated, how your defense stunk, uh, how you choked down the stretch, how you should have called timeout. Got a million things. And I, I think as a player, as a former volleyball player and college basketball player, you're thinking to yourself, man – I can't wait till that next game uh, so we can go out and prove all the doubters wrong. Yeah, he's Chris Waddle, the television voice of the Denver Nuggets. I, I look at this Miami team uh, from an offensive standpoint. Look, Jimmy Butler has always been a really good player, but he's never been mentioned in the superstar category. Uh, regular season-wise, you could probably still say that, but right now in the playoffs, he's playing at that superstar level, right? Well, he's he's one of the good guys in the league that – I think he averaged 23 points per game uh, in the regular season. Now he's up to 29, playing a lot more minutes, too. He's always been a player that played better in the playoffs. Nikola Jokic is like that, and so is Jamal Murray. I think the great players play better in the playoffs, and and, uh, the suspect players kind of shrink from the big time. But I've always been a big Jimmy Butler fan. Uh, He plays uh, a two-way game, offense and defense. I think he also is used on special teams for Miami. I I like Butler a lot. He's not a selfish player. And he's got uh, an unbridled confidence that I think uh, when you go into battle with with guys that are undrafted, they make big points about all these undrafted guys on Miami. You have a a rock of Gibraltar, so to speak, with Jimmy Butler. You know how he's going to play. You know he's going to be ultra-confident, and and you know you have a chance to win when he's in the lineup. Let me talk about two players that Miami has. Uh, Bam Adebayo won at 21 points the other night, but uh, he has gotten into a rhythm right now where uh, he becomes a real problem for opposing defenses. So I'm sure Denver's addressing this so how do you defend him straight up with Jokic or, or is it, is there a different method? You know, it's interesting when I watched uh, Bam, I, I watched uh, the, the Boston series very carefully. He was awful. He could not score. Right. He couldn't make a 10 footer. And I'm thinking to myself, Jokic is going to kill him. Well, it hasn't worked out that way. Bam is kind of up the level of his game. He's got a pretty good matchup with the Joker. I mean, Joker's killing it, but Bam is playing well also. And I think you, you, you just have to crowd him a little, make him take mid-range shots, uh, keep him off the boards. And, uh, you know, when it's pick and roll, you, you've got to get that, that extra defender, either Gordon or Porter, to come up quicker 
and 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 take charges and get in the way of Bam. But I I like the way Bam has played. He, he's played very very well so far. Well, in game two, two players stood out in terms of shooters. Gabe Vincent was one. Um, a lot of people say Gabe who? <laughs> yeah, the guys in the NBA know who he is. And Duncan Robinson. Uh, now they they may get Tyler Hero back tonight. I, I don't know about that. We'll find out. But it becomes so complicated. But we have gotten into an NBA that is three-point dominant. And it almost seems like we see players driving to the basket, get three feet from the basket, and kick it back out to beyond the three-point line. Yeah. It's a regular nightly occurrence, right? Well, it's it, it's for Miami, it's interesting. They only shot 34.5% from three during the regular season. Now they're shooting 39%. So which is real? The 82 games they shot 34% or the 20 games they played in the playoffs since 39%. I, I'm figuring they're somewhere uh, probably about 36%. But uh, three-point shooters come and go. Uh, they get hot and they get cold. I think the Nuggets just have to do a better job. If they're going to switch, you, you, you got to switch. If you're going to stay with your man, you got to stay with your man. You can't have two guys switch and or two guys stay with a man. I think it's all about assignment uh, basketball. Mm. Uh, it's got a tricky little offense where they run a lot of cutters and they're they're heading for the corners and then they cut to the basket and they come outside and around the screens. I, I think you'll you'll see a much better prepared Nuggets team in Game Three for all the little tricks that Miami does. Chris, we uh, it's very easy to pick on officiating. Uh, everybody does it. I'm watching the game the other night and Stan Van Gundy and Mark Jackson must have said. Six times during the game, uh, I don't know about that call, or I question that call. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the officials are just letting them play? Well, sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And I think that's the biggest complaint that uh, NBA players have. Uh, where, where's the consistency? I wish that the NBA would adopt more of the FIBA rules, the international rules, where there's a little more contact when you if you if you drive the ball and your your defenders near you and you bump into him that's not necessarily always a foul and they seem to always give that to the shooter mm -hmm. uh, i have a marlow rule that i'd like to run by you howard mm -hmm. uh, to get rid of flopping uh and, and that kind of stuff that i think ruins the game if you fall down you you don't get the call so if, if you run into a screen and fall down you you don't get the call the only time you would get the call when you fall down is like if I blow you up, I'm coming from 30 feet and I knock your glasses off and your earplugs come out and your red sweatsuit flies off. And you know, absolutely 100% that that's a foul. Howard David is down. They're giving him smelling salts. Okay, then you get the call. But besides that, you don't get the call. And that would eliminate the flopping right away. As you fall down, you don't get it. And there's just too much accentuation and uh, exaggeration on these calls. And I just think it's ruining the game. Thousand percent. Completely agree. Uh, I, to the point of where I firmly believe the competition committee will address that during the offseason. And they'll deal with this flopping. But you're right. I mean, a guy shoots a three. Always goes to the ground after shooting a three, yeah. even if the other guy was four feet away from him. Uh, that's got to stop it because it cheapens the game, in my opinion. Well, I, I've talked to some insiders. I'll call them insiders. And and they say one of the issues with, with some of the officials, just some of the officials, that they call what they see. They call the action. They call the, the, the player falling down. But sometimes they're late to the action and they don't see what really happened. 
uh, there was a, a play in the Laker game, one of the Laker games where LeBron and Jokic touched uh, a bust, if you like, and LeBron flew like 20 feet across the uh, <laughs> across the uh, court and ended up in the VIP seats. And, you know, he gets the foul. And you just go, well, we saw LeBron falling and going. We had to call the foul. And you look back, you only get one challenge. So you have to use that judiciously. Uh, and, and I think it's just ridiculous. And I, I hope the competition committee, they, they used to be finding the players for, for obvious flops. But when you find a guy making $30 million, $5,000, uh, that doesn't make much of a difference, I don't think. No, it's like you sticking your hand in your pocket for, for 20 when I know you got a lot more. And, yeah. and no, I, I just, I, uh, I, I see, look, I, I love the game. And I've been playing it since I'm seven years old in the schoolyard. It, it's a game that's got so much beauty to it. And in my opinion, NBA players are the best athletes in the world. Uh, I mean, who can run up and down the court and never miss a step? NBA players, it, it's a phenomenal uh, a phenomenon, rather, about what they're able to do. And you mentioned LeBron James. A lot of people don't like him uh, for whatever the reason. Uh, maybe he gets the benefit of too many calls. For whatever the reason, you can't discount the fact that he is one of the greatest players that's ever put on uh, sneakers in the NBA. Now I'm seeing... Oh, we're talking about him being traded for the Lakers? Hold it. Look, I was born at night. It just wasn't last night. You think the Lakers are going to trade this guy? Are you kidding me? Well, if they got a King's Ransom, I, I heard the other day there's some rumors floating around that, that Dallas might be trying to engineer some kind of a trade. And I heard yeah. some say, well, yeah, if they'll give us uh, Luka Doncic, we'll yeah. trade LeBron James. <laughs> sure. But anything else, I think, is is just kind of cannon fodder. I don't, I don't think they're going to do it. You know, I think that the the Lakers have a pretty good group of players now. If they can add a piece here and a piece there, I'm not so sure with that with LeBron. I, I think the piece that they need to get, if they could, is Kyrie. I think Kyrie Irving would be the perfect fit for the Lakers. But for that to happen and the Lakers to have their team remain somewhat intact. It has to be where Kyrie says, and instead of three hundred million uh, for four years, I'm going to take two hundred million and go to the Lakers and, and sign as a free agent. He could do that, but you know NBA players are loath to leave money on the table. So what he might try to do is sign with Dallas and then force a trade to LA. But what that does, then LA's got to trade three or four guys to get him. I mean, much yeah. better if he was a free agent, but. Uh, I don't know if you ever see uh, NBA players make that sacrifice or say hundred million. I don't care. I want to win. I'm going to LA. When it comes to Kyrie Irving, I I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan uh, because I've seen what he has done in Cleveland. I've seen what he's done in Boston, I've seen what he's done in Brooklyn. Uh, I just think that he he's a locker room menace. Uh, we we've seen, he's had a, look, I know he, he won a championship with LeBron. Okay. I get that. But I don't want a guy on my team that doesn't preach team. And I don't think that Kyrie Irving does. I think he's about Kyrie Irving. That's just it's a personal opinion, no more. Well, uh, you might have noticed, Howard, there are a lot of NBA players that are kind of concerned with what they're doing. I, I'm not a Kyrie hater. I, I thought he was terrific in Cleveland and he worked well with LeBron. And that's why you would think, well, a reunion there would be good. Yeah. Did he blow up Boston a little bit? Yes. But I think when he went to the Nets, the whole COVID thing, and he didn't want to take the shot, 
uh, and, he, and he was sitting out and they wouldn't let him play. That wasn't all his fault. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been proven a little bit now, Howard, that a lot of these people said, well, some of these shots can be dangerous to your health. Uh, they're coming around to the fact that, yeah, some guys have had uh, some terrible reactions and that maybe not wanting to take the shot was not, uh, uh, you know, not the terrible thing that everybody said it was. You're an idiot. You're, you're ter- you know, people had their reasons for not taking the shot. And I'm, Kyrie had his. Uh, and so it didn't work out there. But I think he's a tremendous talent. A lot of NBA players that are for themselves, and you just kind of have to fit them in on your team. And I think he'd be the perfect fit for the Lakers if they yeah, could, get could You're going to probably think I'm totally insane. But if I were the Lakers, I would try to trade Anthony Davis. As great as a greater player as he is, I just don't know if you can count on him uh, to play 60, 65 games during the regular season and be available. Look, I know he's put up great numbers night in and night out when they were still in the playoffs. Yeah. But I think you can get a King's ransom for him. You know, it's interesting, Howard. My best friend, Jeff Jacobs, lives in Los Angeles. He's, a, he's like the number one Lakers fan. He's a diehard Lakers. In fact, all my friends in L.A. where <laughs> I grew up are Lakers fans. And every time uh, Anthony Davis is playing well, and he did uh, at the end of the season last month, he was fabulous. I said, you got to trade him now. He's like a stock <laughs> you got to trade him before he, you know, he hurts his back or he breaks his arm or something like that. You need to trade him when the going is good. And maybe now would be good. Although I don't know without Anthony Davis to kind of carry the water for LeBron when he's hurt or he can't play. I, I don't know what the Lakers do, but he, he's a perplexing talent. And you, you see that with a lot of players in the NBA, Howard, they're, they're guys that play 50 games or 40 games and you don't get a full season out of them. And you're trying to nurse them along to the playoffs. And, and look what happened with the, uh, with the LA Clippers this year. They did that with, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they nursed them along. They gave them rest. They, you know, uh, you know, load management and neither could play in the playoffs. So you're you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, I don't know what the, the, uh, the answer is for that. I don't know if it's less games, but uh, they don't make players in the NBA like they used to when, you know, I think Will played 82 games like eight times during his career. And so did Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was an Ironman. So I don't know what's happened. You would think with with added, uh, you know, the added staffs and you've got the the, the Barrett Chambers and you've got, you know, uh, trainers and, and, and people to walk you across the street. You think you would be healthier. You'd be able to play more, but it hasn't worked out like that. Chris Marlowe, the television voice of the Denver Nuggets, there have been some coaching changes already. Uh, there were five open jobs, and, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, they've all been filled or am I leaving somebody out? Um, I, I think now they all have been filled. I think Frank Vogel, uh, I believe, was the final piece in Phoenix. Right. 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 Uh, yeah, and Nick Nurse going to Philadelphia, and Monty Williams taking the job for – Big bucks in Detroit. I think he'll do a great job there. Yeah. So all the all these coaches that got fired, they just got rehired uh, in different places, and they're all good. And you know, it's hard. You mentioned Michael Malone earlier. You know, he's been he's been with the Nuggets for eight years. He's the fourth longest tenured coach. It's hard to do that. It's yeah. hard to do that if you win and then you don't win again. They fire you. If you don't win, they fire you. Uh, you know, Michael Malone has done it uh, the best way you can. He's he start. And then you win 30 games and then the next year you win 40 and then you win 46 and you get in the playoffs and then you win the first round and you build and you build and you layer and you layer. And now he's in the 
Western Conference, uh, the way he won the Western Conference Finals and now in the NBA Finals. So uh, now uh, he has to win the NBA Finals. Or someone mm-hmm. say, well, maybe Malone can't get us there. <laughs> well, I think that's bunk. I think he's done a great job, and we'll see how it plays out. When Frank Vogel first began coaching, he was a video coordinator for the Boston Celtics under Rick Pitino. Uh, and I just began doing their games at that, that first year for Rick uh, and spent a lot of time talking to Frank. What an incredibly knowledgeable basketball guy without – this is back then. Yeah. When he got fired in L.A., I said, I completely disagree with this. He, I thought they fired the wrong guy. I, I didn't think he deserved to get fired. There's always plenty of guys in L.A. and women, too, that could be fired if the Lakers don't win every season. I like Frank Vogel. It's interesting how uh, the greatest pathway to becoming an NBA head coach and a good NBA head coach is video coordinator. That that seems to be better than an all-time player, better than a Hall of Famer. Eric Spolstra started as a in the video room, right? Uh, there, there are plenty of guys, a uh, number of the San Antonio Spurs guys that have dispersed uh, the head coach whose name is escaping me down in uh, Memphis. It was a video guy. It just seems that's the way to learn how to break down film, how to how to get things going. And then you evolve into an assistant coach and you know what you're doing and, and then you ascend. So uh, I don't know what we were talking about, but it all sounded good. Yeah, and, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, Monty Williams, when he took that job uh, in in De- in Detroit, in five years, like $70 million. I said, oh, my God, good for him. Uh, how much Pat Riley influence remains in that Miami locker room? Oh, I think I think it's a big influence. You know, he's got control of the, uh, the entire situation. Uh, you know, he's the decision maker. Uh, they, that's the reason they call him the godfather. Uh, he and Eric Spolster, you see him all the time talking. Uh, Riley's at all the games. Uh, I, I read somewhere where 25% uh, – Pat Riley's been involved in 25% of all the NBA finals that have ever been played. And I saw that. Player, yeah. an assistant coach, a coach, uh, you know, a, a general manager. Uh, I, I like Pat Riley. I, I got to know him a lot uh, when he was with the Lakers. You know, he was actually a beach bum. Uh, before we got that Lakers job, uh, uh, and I'd see him down at the beach. He and Wilt would be down there playing a little beach volleyball, and then he ended up getting the job as the uh, as the right hand man for Chick Hearn in the broadcast booth, and then right. picked up the broadcast booth to coach the Lakers. So uh, I, I love Pat Riley; he's done a great job, and you know it's a testament to him how good the Miami Heat are every single year. They're always in the hunt. When I was down in Miami, I was doing talk in Miami, and I was also doing the Miami Dolphins football games. Uh, and Pat was coaching the Heat at the time. Uh, he would come on my show every Friday morning, uh, to, you know, a Miami Heat report and so on. He asked before every show that I would introduce him with a song. And I said, well, what kind of song? He goes, we are the champions. No, no that wasn't it. Believe it or not, he's a big Motown fan. Wow. Yeah, so he wanted he so I you know, I play a Marvin Gaye, Temptations, yeah. you know something. He says, you know what I love coming on your show because you play good music. I said, I appreciate it, Coach. I can but, imagine that you playing her through the grapevine. He yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, let me record this. <laughs> That's funny. Well, interesting game tonight. Uh, looking forward to a battle. Uh, I I expect 
it to be a physical game. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, look, Jokic is the guy they have to deal with. Denver's got to deal with Jimmy Buckets and Bam out of bio and those array of three-point shooters. So it's going to be interesting battle of wits. Yeah, I think that I think the Nuggets win game three. I, I'm predicting a win for the Nuggets. I think that's the game they get. That's the game they need to turn the home court advantage back around. I think they'll be motivated. They will have watched uh, three days of film on some kooky mistakes that they made down the stretch. I think you agree with me, Howard. Uh, leaving open three-point shooters, calling mm-hmm. three-point shooters. There were six points where Contavious Caldwell-Pope fouled two three-point shooters coming off screens. He just, yeah, I don't know what happened. He just had a brain cramp. He just collapsed into those guys. There's six points there. Uh, I, I just think they can do a lot better job, and I, I think we'll see it. Nuggets have been a pretty good road playoff team. I, I think they get game three. Well, history says that the team that wins game three when they were tied at one wins the series 80% of the time. Oh, so good note there, Howard. I'm yeah. going to write that down. Yeah, it's a, that. It, yeah it's, a pivotal, it's a pivotal game, no question about it. Uh, and you would see, you normally you would favor the home team, but here's a home team in the Miami Heat that's come from out of nowhere, a play-in role where they almost got beat by the Chicago Bulls, and they're up against the Denver Nuggets, a team with the best record. <laughs> uh, how is it? And keep in mind, Miami also beat Milwaukee, so they're chalking them up on that gun belt. Yeah, they've they've played well, and I think a, a few of the uh, a few of the earlier series, uh, maybe Milwaukee did not take them seriously, right. and, and maybe you know the New York was favored in that series, and Miami beat them, and then Boston. I'm not sure if they took them seriously either, and I think the Nuggets got caught in that little trap in Game One. You know, here's a Miami team. They're missing a couple of their best players. Victor Oladipo out. Uh, Tyler Hero out. Uh, that maybe they would be a pushover. And it hasn't quite worked out that way. So Nuggets got to bring their A game. If they do, I think I think they can win game three. If I said to you, who's the guy that's got to be the big guy? Forget Jokic. Put him aside for a second. We know that he's going to get, I mean, he got 41 the other night. We know he's going to put up numbers. But if there's a guy on the Denver Nuggets that you say is going to be the key to the game tonight, who would it be? I think there are two guys, Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. Porter Jr., he has to shoot the ball better than he has. In game one, just two of 11. But he found a way to play defense, to rebound the basketball, to hustle, to get on the floor. Uh, and he ended up plus 20. In game two... He didn't shoot the ball well and he didn't play defense. So I think he's a key. And I think Aaron Gordon too, if they could get a 20 point game out of Aaron Gordon and eight rebounds, he's been doing a pretty good job on Jimmy Butler. You know, Butler's not getting 30 and 40 every night. He's making him work. I think those are the two key guys for the Denver Nuggets. Well, Gordon's got that. He's, he's a physical guy. Yes, uh, he is. And he, he, he you know, so does present some problems. Chris, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks again for your time as always. And you stay safe. Okay, once again, Howard, tell all your people, the Marlowe rule, if you fall down, unless you're <laughs> bleeding, if you're in a red track suit, you're on the side of the road, they're giving you smelling salts, no foul. <laughs> if he's breathing, he's, he's, a, he's a problem. <laughs> you got it, Howard. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Chris. He's Chris Marlowe, the television voice of the Denver Nuggets. I, I, uh, I can't argue with Chris about the fact that you got a favorite Denver because they let one get away in game two. Let's face it, they had a 10-point lead. 
And that league should have gone to 12, to 14, and put them away. They didn't have the closeout, the knockout punch. I'm not betting against Jokic. Just not. Look, I have a lot of respect for Eric Spolstra and his coaching. I think he's a brilliant coach. I would go so far as to say he might be the best coach in the NBA. It's just an opinion. Having said all of that, is it going to be a runaway? That would be surprising. I think it's going to be a hard-fought, tightly contested game, very physical game, but I expect Denver to close out Miami's three-point shooting to where they don't get humiliated like they were in game two. That's my feeling about the game tonight. I want to get on to a subject that just happened today. The PGA Tour and the LIV Tour are merging. When I heard that, I went, what? I love golf. I play golf. I enjoy the game. I admire talent. And the PGA Tour's got a lot of talent. The LIV Tour's got a lot of talent. We can discuss the politics all you want. But you can't discount the fact that the Saudi government deserve to be criticized for the way they've done certain things. And I'm not even getting into the Khashoggi murder. But why does the PGA Tour need to get involved with the LIV Tour? For what gain? Is it financial? The way I understand it, both the head of the PGA Tour and Greg Norman, the head of the LIV Tour, they found out about what was going on before they even knew about it. They found, they found out after the fact. And I went, what? Why wouldn't Moynihan and Norman know what's going on if they are running the tour? So is this politics? Is this part of a bigger picture thing where the U.S. government is getting involved here? I don't know. And I don't want to start any rumors. But I'm ticked off that this is happening. I really am. This is unnecessary. The PGA players, do they need a revenue source? Don't they make enough money? If that's the bottom line here, it's about money, say it. If it's about politics, say it. But I, for the life of me, don't understand where the thought process is from the PGA Tour. You may disagree. You may agree. Either way, I said what I said. You can have your own opinion. Have it. I had to get it off my chest. You stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live and a bite of the Big Apple. Thanks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.